Today on That Got Me Thinking, I talk with Bia Johnson, best-selling author of Zero Waste Town. Join us. Cold blood is with the strong scheme. I'm a boss. Flip the coin, toss the straws. I'm at a loss. How my brains get busted. Slinging letters into couplets. Muck up the subjects. Paragraph the punches. Calamitous intent. This is That Got Me Thinking, and I'm Ellie Newman. My guest today is B. Johnson. B. has embraced a waste-free lifestyle with a family since 2008 and is the author of the best-selling book, Zero Waste Home. She is a popular blogger and internationally acclaimed lecturer and speaker. She has simplified her life by reducing waste, and her family of four, overall quality of life has changed for the better. I first heard about B. while watching Lauren Singer's TED Talk on Living Waste Free. She had planned on going a year without plastics when she learned about B, who was living waste-free with a family of four. And that got me thinking. It was one thing to do it on your own, but with a family of four. I started thinking about intention versus action, the personal and social consequences of bucking the system, the challenges involved with living our principles and values, boundaries, trade-offs, determinations, and commitment versus convenience, and walking the talk even when it's really, really hard. Welcome, B, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I feel so privileged. You were talking to the BBC before us, and you got another interview <laughs> afterwards. So, sorry. Oh, no, I don't discriminate. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> so, I, I, um, while I was prepping for the interview, I was reading your book at the dentist office, and he saw it, and he was sharing how his partner and he were trying to recycle more and pare down the belongings. And I mentioned to him how you had a little bit of a different approach, and his eyes sort of lit up. Um, when I told them that your focus was more on what was coming into the home at the beginning rather than what was going out, and that you said that waste management starts outside the home. And I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, contrary to what uh, people think, uh, zero waste is not actually, well, at least the zero waste lifestyle is not about recycling more. It's actually about recycling less uh, thanks to waste prevention. So, um, to um, to basically reduce our waste to just uh, half a liter jar a year, we uh, simply apply five rules in order. So the first is to refuse the things that we do not need. The second is to reduce the things that we do need. Uh, the third is to reuse what we consume. Uh, the fourth is to recycle only what we cannot refuse, reduce or reuse. And finally, it's rot, uh, which is composting the rest. Uh, so the first three rules actually uh, stop waste from coming into our home in the first place. Um, uh, refusing, we, the, the refusing aspect is uh, simply learning how to say no uh, to the things that uh, we're handed out. Uh, today in this consumer society, we're the targets of uh, many promotional goods. But every time we accept those things, we create a demand to make more. And then once we bring them into our home, it clutters our space and then it becomes our problem. Uh, so uh, we've learned to say no to uh, single-use products, but to say no to freebies, to party favors. And it's, uh, it's actually, in the end, it has a great impact on uh, consumption as a whole because when you say no to a free plastic pen that is given out to you in a conference, uh, you're basically saying, stop, I don't need to have, or we do not need as a society to have more oil uh, drilled from the ground to create a replacement because every time we accept something that we do not need, we are creating a demand. So uh, learning how to say no is extremely important. 
Then the second rule is to reduce. So for us, reducing uh, means uh, learning how to live with less and uh, we've gone through a whole decluttering process. Uh, we've adopted a lifestyle of voluntary simplicity uh, which translates into a lifestyle of minimalism and uh, we've let go of all the things that we don't truly use or need uh, and today just to give you an example my wardrobe fits in a carry-on I have uh, one pair of shorts, two pairs of pants, uh, two skirts, two dresses, seven shirts, five pairs of shoes, and all of that fits uh, fits in a carry-on. It's uh, freeing, actually, because uh, uh, when I want to go on vacation, I, all I have to do is uh, throw it all in a suitcase or in that carry-on, and then uh, we zip it, we're out the door, and, uh, and then we have a service that uh, comes, cleans the house, and then uh, renters, basically uh, individuals that rent our house and in the end pay for our vacations. I like how you say simply. We'll see how everyone feels by the end of the interview. <laughs> no, going at the beginning, you think it definitely would not be simple. Um, the, the first lines of your book, you say, not so long ago, things were different. I owned a 3,000 square foot home, two cars, four tables, and 26 chairs. I filled a 64 gallon can of trash. And I, I know every time I read that 26 chairs, I, I laugh. It's like, oh, she had the counted her chairs, 26, I have to count mine. <laughs> so I'm wondering, so what was your aha moment when you decided to make the shift? Were you searching for something? Was there something you were looking for? Or is there something that you had in your life that you wanted to get rid of? Well, and also what really happened was that uh, we were living in this large home and uh, had filled it with stuff just to fill rooms uh, because it didn't seem right to have empty rooms. So, uh, uh, but then in uh, in 2006, uh, we um, we kind of got tired of uh, living in in uh, out well basically out in the burbs where we had to uh, take the car to go everywhere uh, take the car to go to the grocery store schools uh, uh, movie theater and uh, and and so then we decided to relocate uh, to be closer to a downtown to have these things within walking distance uh, and before finding the ideal home we uh, rented an apartment for a year and we only moved in with the necessities. And it is that year that we realized that living with less all of a sudden allowed us to live more. Uh, that uh, living with less allowed us to have more time for our friends, our family. We were able to go on hikes and uh, go on picnics and uh, enjoy life, basically. So when we did find the ideal home in a downtown that interested us, we got everything out of uh, storage. And we realized that 80% of the belongings we had put in there had uh, not been missed at all for a whole year. So we started letting go uh, drastically of the things we had and we, uh, we let go of about 80% of our belongings. Um, of course, it was not overnight. It took us a, a while to really question ourselves and our need for all the belongings we had down to the vegetable peeler. <laughs> and then it's uh, thanks to living simply and having more time that we were able to educate ourselves on the environmental issues. So we uh, read some books, watched documentaries, and what we found really made us sad thinking about the future that we were going to leave behind for our kids. And that's what gave us the impetus to uh, change our uh, consumption. And had you been had you been having conversations about the lifestyle you were living? Like, had, had you kind of been talking with Scott and saying, you know, this isn't what it was cracked up to be. This, we've got this great house, this great job, all this stuff, and I'm not happy. 
Um, no, we, I, I'm not saying we're not, it's not that we're not happy. It's just that we, I just didn't like where, um, or we didn't like where our house was located. Mm -hmm. It just was a cookie cutter home and we had to just drive everywhere. And mm -hmm. we just were in a way, uh, disconnected from nature, uh, disconnected from, uh, you know, I mean, from an active life in a way, uh, uh even if we uh, would ride our bikes and, uh, uh, take the stroller down sidewalks. I just felt that there was um, a disconnection. I really missed the uh, lifestyle that we had known in the big capitals that we had lived in or the big cities we had lived in. We've lived in San Francisco. We had lived in London and Amsterdam and Paris. And in all these places, we were walking everywhere and we loved being part of a, uh, a, a neighborhood where everything was within walking distance. You didn't have to hop into a car to go to uh, the restaurant or the movie theater. It was just uh, within walking distance or biking distance. As a matter of fact, in Amsterdam, we'd even go to nightclubs uh, by bike. <laughs> And so then when you had your stuff all packed up, all of a sudden you're like, oh, we don't really miss it. <laughs> We're not rushing exactly. to get it back. And was everybody on board from the get-go? Your, your husband, Scott, ended up giving up a lucrative career to start a sustainable consulting practice. Was he on board from the start? Well, so uh, for him, decluttering uh, was a bit of an issue because he... Uh, for one thing, he's like, well, you know, my stuff, I mean, even if I have the stuff and I don't use it, it doesn't hurt anyone. It's just there in a the corner. I mean, like the golf clubs that he had, um, in the 20 years actually that we had been together, I had not seen him use them, uh, more than once. Uh, so I pointed them out to him and I said, you know, it's, uh, it, when you donate things, you actually put them back on the market and you allow other people to have access to those things. And that is the beauty of decluttering uh, or the advantage of decluttering for uh, on an environmental standpoint. When you let go of the things you don't truly need or use, you're putting them back on the market, you're uh, boosting the second-hand market, and you're making these things that are very valuable resources in themselves available to others so other people can have access to them, they can find them second-hand if they choose to buy second-hand. Um, and uh, so he used to have lots of um, uh, sporting equipment because, uh, you know, uh, man as he is, uh, he's a kind of a macho boy in a, in a way. And he always felt that having more sporting equipment meant that he was a man. Uh, but then uh, when we started decluttering our lives, he realized that in the end, all he really needed was to concentrate on his two favorite sports. And now he's been able to uh, so he's let go of all the sporting equipment that he was not truly really using. And uh, today he's concentrate, I mean, he concentrates or focuses on uh, biking and snowboarding. And uh, he's doing much better at those things because he's not all spread out. So, so you didn't have to pry the golf clubs out of his hand. He was willing to give it a try and see how yeah, it goes. Yeah, he kind of, uh, I mean, at first he put guilt on me for uh, encouraging him to uh, to let go of these things. But uh, today he's really happy with those decisions. He's just really, he's actually doing really good with his uh, biking. Um, and now even our kids have, uh, they're part of the, uh, the high school mountain biking team and my husband is coaching. Uh, and so they have that in common and they, uh, it's their passion. And we've even taken bike trips as a family. We've taken our bikes uh, from San Francisco, uh, to LA, uh, and it's been a fantastic experience even as a family. 
And so how much has it affected your social life outside of the family with, well, or with extended family and then with friends? Was it during the transition period, was it a big shift? Was it, was it worrying to you or stressful at all? Uh, no, I think, uh, I mean, people thought that uh, we were maybe going a little bit too far. Or, uh, my mom uh, thought, oh, this is, a, again, one of those crazy ideas that Bea has, because I've always had kind of uh, out-of-the-box ideas. <laughs> so um, uh, my mom was uh, yeah, making such comments. But uh, in the end, you know, my, my friends uh, and my family... Um, respect our lifestyle just like we respect theirs when we go to their house. Uh, I think people at first were afraid that if I went into their home, I was going to judge their consumption, but it's never been the case. I don't judge other people uh, contrary to what people would think. I just, uh, I simply accept and uh, respect the way other people choose to live. Um, and it's part of uh, the evolution of adopting a zero-waste lifestyle, as I explain in my book. Uh, when you first have, um, when you first become aware of your waste and decide to take steps to reduce it, then all of a sudden you see waste everywhere. Uh, you see disposable cups in other people's hands. You see water bottles everywhere. Uh, you see packaging. And those things drive you crazy and uh, they make you mad. You think, well, why don't they do like me? But then as you adopt the zero-waste lifestyle as far as you can, and I feel like that we have, uh, then we found peace uh, with, uh, with zero-waste. We found peace with uh, what other people do. And I realized that after all, these people are me uh, they are, were me not so long ago. So who am I to judge them? Uh, so I just don't judge them anymore and I feel that after all what I do uh, can simply inspire other people I can simply live by example every time I go grocery shopping uh, with my jars and cloth bags I know that I am inspiring other people to do the same and that to me is what matters most and, and so when your mom was thinking oh this is just another one of, of Bia's ideas it'll maybe be a phase and you say you kind of tend to, to grab onto um, things and think outside the box. Do you tend to go extreme as well? Like, is that your nature <laughs> and your character? Like, is that? Well, I, I do. Uh, I am a perfectionist. There is no question about that. And I, uh, when I engage myself in something, I go fully in it. That's true. Uh, and uh, maybe that's why I've taken uh, zero waste to that level. Uh, but uh, to me, actually, the term zero waste is what uh, what got us this far. Uh, when we started adopting a lifestyle, a more eco lifestyle, I found the term zero waste and it really struck the chord for me. I thought, you know, but zero waste, that's what we should be doing. Uh, because the term back then was only used to describe manufacturing practices. It was only used to describe uh, waste management at a municipal level. But it was not used back then to uh, describe what you do in a home. Uh, no one was redoing really that in the home. But when I found that term, it just really, I mean, to me, it's just, uh, it was a light bulb. I, I realized that, uh, or I thought, well, I mean, if, if the goal is not zero waste, then what's the goal? Less waste? Medium waste? No, the goal, sh the goal should be zero waste. And uh, having that goal then allowed us to push things further and, uh, and, really, and really ask ourselves lots of questions and, uh, and evaluate our waste even down to the smallest pieces. 
And do you think it was easier actually to accomplish your goal making it zero waste rather than just less, which was, you know, not as definable? Exactly, because when you give yourself of zero waste, then you have a goal. If you give, then if it's not zero, then what's the goal? And so, you know, we talked a little bit about the the public versus private experience and and the issue about whether or not you would be judging, people would would feel judged. You talk quite a bit in the book a number of times about maybe uncomfortableness of rejecting things or refusing offerings. Was that something that was kind of harder to maneuver than you had anticipated? Well, it's it's not something I anticipate. I mean, I, I I did not know that even it was a step that I was gonna have to uh, go into when I started into this. Uh, I uh, really the the refuse. I added the the refuse that first R uh, to the common uh, three R's of uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. When uh, when an acquaintance of ours uh, came over for dinner. Uh, they knew we had talked to them that we were doing zero waste and uh, yet they showed up on my doorstep uh, with a big pastry box filled with packaging and I realized at that time um, well for one thing I I questioned myself. I thought, well, what does she think that zero waste means? She probably thinks that either we hide waste or that we recycle it. Or I just uh, realized at that point that really um, there is much to say about refusing waste to come in to your home in the first place. So uh, because it was the first time I was faced with that decision, I did not refuse the box of pastries then. Um, I just uh, let it come in. But that's when I realized that I should write a blog. Uh, it's actually thanks to that experience that I decided to launch my blog. I uh, I realized that I needed to let my friends and uh, my uh, family know that we were serious about zero waste and to also lay out the rules of zero waste that uh, basically how, how we were able to live uh, a zero waste lifestyle so that if they came into our home, they would know what to expect. So today, of course, when my friends come over, they know not to bring in uh, you know, uh, wasteful packaging. They uh, they know uh, to respect our lifestyle. They know to uh, bring maybe a homemade uh, something that is homemade, uh, something that they've purchased in bulk, uh, wine, uh, even. Uh, you know, they, they know now what to do. <laughs> and how about when you're at someone else's house? Okay, for the kids, like if they have bowl of potato chips out that you know came from a bag. Where do you know that's, that this question? Down? This question always cracks me up because uh, what would be, I, I don't know, I'm, when, when I'm asked that question, I wonder what people think about us. Uh, I wonder if people think that when we go to other people's house and there is a bowl of chips, we say, oh, no, thanks. I'm not going to eat your chips because I know you came packaged. Oh, no, thanks. I'm not going to eat your food because I know you didn't buy it in bulk. No, uh, of course, when we go to other people's homes, uh, again, we respect their lifestyle. If there is a bowl of chips, as a matter of fact, we'll jump on the bowl of mm-hmm. chips. The Johnsons will be the first ones to finish the bowl of chips because that's not one of the items that we buy in our home. Uh, so it becomes what I call a selective sele- uh, natural selection. Um, we don't buy those things, but it doesn't mean that we never eat it. Uh, we, uh, it's kind of a, you know, a, a little treat or something when we go to other people's homes. It's something that's not healthy anyway. So uh, again, that's natural selection out of our, um, our health, I mean, our, our, our diet. 
And I don't know about other interviewers, but I asked the question not to think that you're some crazy people that won't do that. But in the end of your book, no, you no, said, I, I appreciate your you, question. You said that um, some people in in the world of zero waste will say, "Oh, you aren't doing enough," and that other people will think, "Oh, you know, she's she's gone overboard." So I'm just sort of it. To me, it's interesting where you have decided to draw lines, and and I think that's a huge part of your success that you have thought through the elements of this. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about that, about finding balance. You had said, we found that it's important to be diligent about finding sustainable balance between being easy and being green. And so what was the process of finding that balance? And do you feel like you're there? Yes, definitely. Uh, since 2010, the Zero Waste Lifestyle has been easy, automatic, normal. Uh, it's part of our routine. Uh, we don't even talk about it at home because if I didn't talk about it all day with the media, it's not something we would even discuss at home uh, because it's just so part of what we do and it's completely, completely normal. Uh, it's up to everyone, of course, to find a system uh, a, or a balance that works for them. I'm not telling, I'm not here to tell everyone how to live their life. Uh, I think it's up to everyone to live the way they want and to then find balance within uh, within zero waste if they choose to uh, live a zero waste lifestyle. Uh, for us, I mean, we, I know people see our lifestyle as extreme, uh, but to me, it would be only extreme if it was, uh, constraining and it's really not depriving. It's quite the contrary. It's actually made our life richer. Our life today is based on experiences instead of things. It's based on being instead of having. And, uh, it's allowed us to have, uh, make a great, uh, financial savings, great time savings. And I could not envision myself going back to the way I used to live because it was so inefficient and, uh, and it was basically wasting our money. Um, and of course we went through a time when I got a little bit, uh, too, um, too excited about homemaking. And I can see, uh, from, uh, all the, uh, hundreds of blogs that have emerged from mine throughout the world that people are, uh, people that have started out do the same thing. They kind of make that same, uh, they take that same path. And in a way, that's a mistake, and they kind of get too uh, too excited about homemaking. Homemaking can be extremely time consuming, especially if uh, uh, you know if you have a full time job like I had. Uh, so when I uh, when I got started looking at um, um, zero waste alternatives, uh, I got a you know I I started making my own mustard, my own butter, my own soy milk, my own cheese, my own bread. Uh, and then I realized uh, at one point, uh, two years later, <laughs> actually, that all these things were not sustainable, that we were not going to be able to stick with the zero waste lifestyle for life if we were, if we had, uh, if we, if we adopted all these alternatives that are too time constraining. So that's when we let them go. I decided, well, there is no point in making cheese if I can just uh, take my jar to the cheese counter and now they just put the cheese straight into my jar. There is no point in making bread if I can just bring a pillowcase uh, to the store and put my bread straight into it. So we've let go of all these uh, these extremes and today really we found balance. And the Zero Waste Lifestyle is about, for us at least, living simply uh, first and foremost. And when you live simply, then everything comes into place. Uh, what you don't have does not need to be cleaned, uh, does not need to be stored, put away, maintained, repaired, recycled, thrown away, etc. And that's really the secret of this lifestyle. That's the secret of adopting it 
for life. I like that you use the word excited. I was going to say manic. I was going to ask you if there was a stage where you were manic, but I like excited much more that you were excited about it. At the beginning, was there any feeling, you know, sort of like when you go on a big diet, was there, was there a feeling of deprivation at first or that you needed willpower to stay the course that you guys were denying yourself at times stuff you wanted, or was that not part of the process for you? Yes. Yeah, so one of the mistakes we made, and maybe it's not a mistake because it's part of our, uh, you know, we, the, the road had not been laid out yet because, uh, no one was really doing this. So we had to test a bunch of things. Uh, we had to, uh, well, like I said, test, you know, what worked for us and what didn't and, uh, the alternatives that we could see ourselves sticking with, uh, in the long run. Uh, but I think uh, one of the mistakes we made, was to try to find in bulk all the packaged products that we were used to buying. Uh, for example, I used to buy Oreo cookies for my kids. I know, not a great choice, <laughs> not very healthy, but this is one of those brands that I was used to buying. So then when I adopted, uh, when I started adopting uh, waste-free alternatives, I started, uh, I went all over the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, trying to find Oreo cookies in bulk. Well, there was no way I was going to be able to find those things. Uh, and uh, along the way, we, we kind of let them go. And uh, instead, we've embraced the bulk that is available to us. So instead of trying to replace the products that we were used to, uh, before we've discovered new products that we're excited about. Uh, so my kids in the end don't miss Oreo cookies because they've discovered much tastier, uh, cookies and actually even cookies that are healthier for them, uh, in the, in the, at the bakery. And so at one point you had broken a glass and you said you made 21 calls to try to find out what was the best way to dispose of it. How long did that transition period sort of last where you were down deep, moment by moment, trying to figure it all out? Yeah, it was uh, two, uh, two years. And, uh, you know, from 2008 to 2010, that's when I was really trying things, testing things. And uh, it's really in 2010 that we found, found our balance. And as a matter of fact, uh, that's the reason why I chose to write the book so that um, other people can adopt a, a waste-free lifestyle much faster than it took us because we had to test so many things. We had to pave the road. So uh, uh, I really believe that someone today that applied the things that I talk about in the book could achieve zero waste much faster than it took us. And was that period stressful at all within your home? Or uh, was there had your mom and Scott realized early on this was not just a phase and that this was something that was really going to stick? I think the, the stressful aspect for us was um, <clears throat> basically juggling, changing your lifestyle with full-time jobs during the recession. It was like uh, three things that are important and uh, really were difficult to juggle. But, uh, and as a matter of fact, for the, what worried my husband most were the, the cost of the lifestyle because, uh, you know, again, he quit his job to start a sustainability consulting company, but that was in the midst of the recession and financially it became extremely difficult. And he was worried that it was costing us too much. And he, uh, he told me at one point, he said, you know, I'm sorry, but, I don't think we can keep on doing zero waste. It's uh, it's it's gonna cost us too much. You you're going to the health food store. You're going to the farmers market, and these things have the reputation of costing more. And uh, and he said we can't we can't afford to do that. 
And I, uh, I, so that's when I encourage them to compare our bank statements between our uh, zero waste lifestyle and our uh, lifestyle before zero waste. And that's when he found that we were saving 40% on our overall uh, budget. And I can tell you that once Scott, that, uh, Scott saw that number, because he's a numbers guy, um, it, it really, like he, I mean, he was on board from then on. He just, uh, he, I think he had to see that. And uh, from there, I think it uh, it really kind of eliminated that financial stress for him, and uh, and then things kind of got much easier after that. And were you enjoying the process? Because you said at one point that scrutinizing your trash was a turning point for you. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a point when obviously when you're trying to reduce your waste, you're looking into your you're looking in your trash can, and you're like, okay, how am I gonna? How am I gonna find an alternative for this? Or is there an alternative? Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, facing also the, the trying to find solutions was uh, difficult, uh, and that's also part of when we we hit the extremes. I would say uh, when uh, I went to my local. Uh, drugstore. It's actually a green kind of drugstore. And I brought my uh, my cosmetic pouch to the salesperson and I asked her to give me a, uh, an eco alternative for all the makeup I had in my pouch. And she said, well, I have a green uh, mascara for you and I have a green uh, coal pencil for you, but I don't have a lip plumper. Uh, and a lip plumper is one of the, thi- the, the things that I was used to using. Then I always had it in my uh, in my makeup bag, so then I thought, okay, let let me see what I can do there. So I googled it. I googled a natural alternative to a lip plumper or something like that, and I found a, a YouTube video of this uh, beautiful woman with uh, lips a bit like uh, Angelina Jolie, who said, "Well, you know, it's uh, very simple. All you need to do is roll a twig of stinging nettle on your uh, lips." You remove the leaves and you simply roll the twig and here is the result. And I thought, wow, that looks so simple and I have so much stinging nettle around here. So I actually went and gathered some stinging nettle, brought it home, removed the leaves and rolled the twig on my lips just as she showed in the video. And of course, it did not provide the results she was showing. I, I ended up with, um, I mean, a big uh, uh, red bumps. It was extremely painful for mm-hmm. one thing. should have expected that. <laughs> um, but it's also very uneven and like with big bumps. And, um, and my husband came home from work at that point. He looked at me and he said, oh, my gosh, what happened to you? <laughs> And I said, nothing, don't worry, I just, uh, I'm testing something, I just, it goes away. <laughs> and it went away, but, uh, but uh, just to prove that uh, we, uh, you know, I tried a bunch of things. I was uh, really testing uh, alternatives. And in that case, you know, I realized, you know, the lip plumper is not for me after all. Do I really need the lip plumper? No. And I actually made, uh, I, I applied the lip pumper and I measured my lips uh, and compared the before and after to see if there was a true augmentation. Uh, I mean, literally with a ruler, I measured my lips and I found that there was no augmentation. Uh, the uh, Those lip plumpers are uh, basically, they tingle your lips and they're supposed to make your lips they feel bigger, but they're not really getting bigger. Again, it's all about marketing. <laughs> so do you think you were a research scientist in your last life? Were you thriving on this sort of the ch- constant challenges and figuring out solutions and looking for alternatives? Was that wonderful for you? 
Well, I think uh, human beings in general are uh, are happy when they're learning something new. Uh, it's actually been proven, uh, and uh, I was definitely uh, excited about discovering all these things. Uh, it was uh, even a great bonding experience with uh, my family, uh, even my extended family. Uh, I, uh, I had my niece, uh, my nieces in town when I was testing things for my book. Uh, I was trying to find a uh, an alternative to mascara because I do not buy any packaging, including for my makeup today. Um, so I I really wanted to develop a a mascara recipe from uh, ingredients that I could eat, the ingredients that I could find uh, basically in the bulk aisle of my grocery store. And when I was testing all these things, my nieces were in town and they they loved it. They really have fun like trying things and going to the garden and uh, and uh, making, because uh, I also was d- developing like dyes and uh, wa- natural watercolors and uh, we really had a lot of fun doing that. And it's also, I picked up the phone to call my mom and my mother-in-law to uh, for them to share with me how to can, how to bake certain things and, uh, and, uh, and I learned a lot. All right, we're going to take just a short break. This is That Got Me Thinking, and I'm Ellie Newman. My guest today, I'm speaking with B. Johnson, who has embraced a zero-waste lifestyle and is the author of the bestseller Zero Waste Home. This is KDPI 88.5 FM. Catch him. All right, we're back. This is That Got Me Thinking, and I'm Ellie Newman, and I'm here with B. Johnson. We are talking about her zero-waste lifestyle. So, B, I I want to talk a little bit, we talked a little bit about your very excited period, um, and you had said in your book that going to visit your mom for a few months sort of gave you a, a new perspective, and that that sort of get, led you to another shift in your journey, and I think that maybe was, was really finding a zero-waste lifestyle that fit your lifestyle and your family. Yeah, that's really when I dropped the extremes uh, that I was talking about earlier. Uh, going, basically staying at someone else's house, someone that lives like a normal uh, kind of a lifestyle, uh, kind of opened my eyes and I realized that maybe I had gone too far. Uh, I mean, making my own cheese uh, from uh, kefir grains was uh, time consuming. Uh, even when we left the U.S. to visit my mom, I... I, I looked at those kefir grains and I thought, what do I do with them? I mean, you can't, if you leave kefir grains, they'll die. So, I mean, then the, the kefir grains, you know, we became like pets. I mean, what do I do with them? Do I uh, let a friend take care of them while I'm gone? Do I take them with me? I don't think I can go through customs with that. So it kind of, uh, I realized that this was something that uh, just uh, did not fit our lifestyle. So, uh, so I dropped it. And and so I want to talk a little bit about that, the kind of commitment, right? You had been very committed to those kefir plants. Um, and you talk a little bit in the book about the sups and then the discipline of vowing to do something. Are you by nature a very disciplined person? And do you feel like that is part of your ability to be so successful that you just decided that you were going to do something and then that was that? Whether there's any time where you thought, oh, you know what, I don't, I don't, not in the mood for that today or... Yeah, no, I am, I am definitely, again, like I'm a very committed person. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I, uh, and I guess it was the same for zero waste. When I saw that term zero waste, I'm like, that's the goal. That's what we should be doing. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of, um, 
the the problem today is that uh, I think uh, people there is a lot of talk about uh, uh, living a more eco lifestyle. It's talk talk talk, but not a lot of doing. And uh, as a matter of fact, I uh, uh, back then uh, when I started, I felt that um, everyone was doing it. <laughs> And I talk about that in the book. I I was really working hard at, at achieving a zero waste or at uh, letting at applying a lifestyle of uh, eco consciousness. And uh, and it hit me when uh, I went to the airport and realized that here I am in a in a city that is called uh, a zero waste city. Uh, I mean, it's the city of San Francisco, and that's where my plane takes off. And here I am at that airport, and there is uh, I mean the, the cans are full. Uh, and there is plastic bottles everywhere. There is packaging everywhere. And then I realized I had been in a bubble that uh, the world maybe had not, uh, you know, uh, evolved as far or as fast as I as my family had. Yeah, because there's four trash cans at every station instead of one now. That's that's one of the biggest changes at the San Francisco airport. Well, not right? not everywhere though, and that's the problem. I think uh, they are. It's uh, at the airport. It's only in certain uh, terminals uh, that you have uh, in the domestic. I believe you do, but not in the international. So, for example, if you have an Apple Core, <laughs> uh, because that's one of the when I travel, uh, buying an apple or a banana is uh, is a basically an easy, waste-free snack because it comes unpackaged. But when I eat my apple, then I have my core. What do I do with the core? And at the San Francisco airport, there should be compost bins because it's uh, supposed to be the zero-waste city, but they don't have them. So I have, uh, I basically have uh, chosen a, uh, a plant. Uh, there is, a, they, they have a few live plants over there. And uh, I've buried my apples. <laughs> so you also said in the book that zero waste has connected all the dots for me. In in what way and when did that happen where you noticed that? Well, uh, you know, it's um, Gandhi once said that uh, happiness is when what you say, what you think, and what you do are in harmony. And the zero waste lifestyle is exactly that for me. Uh, I uh, feel that, you know, uh, once I realized what was happening uh, with the environment and I chose to do something about it in my household, then I really went for it. Uh, and I was not just talking about it, but I actually did it. And, uh, and so then what I thought and what I'm doing uh, are in harmony. And uh, it's... Um, it's it's really a, an awesome feeling, and I uh, it's even hard to explain into words. The zero waste lifestyle has really been an epiphany for us, and it's you know made our life richer. It's made our life happier, and uh, I think it's also it came it really came obvious when um, when I started downsizing even just my wardrobe. I mean, of course, it's not overnight that I went down to like one pair of shorts, two pairs of pants, two skirts, five pairs of shoes. Uh, all of this was gradual, and I think it's uh, thanks to my fashion background that I've been able to uh, to actually enjoy living with less and being more creative with just the few pieces that I choose to have. My artist background has helped me being more creative, and actually the zero waste lifestyle has allowed me uh, to fully boost my uh, or to realize my creativity to the fullest. As, as a matter of fact, I don't feel like that I have to uh, translate my creativity onto canvas anymore. I feel the zero waste lifestyle is uh, 
uh, allows me to be uh, as creative as I want to be. You said your kitchen was a science lab and you were in there with a mad scientist creating, right? So there was the outlet for that. Exactly. I mean, trying to find alternatives again, because the road was not laid. I tested a bunch of things and, uh, and, and it's really exciting to discover that there is a whole new world out there. And, uh, and what's awesome even is to, you feel like in a way you're cheating the system. Uh, for example, I clean my house today with just white vinegar and water. Uh, so I no longer have underneath my sink today. It's just free of all the cleaning products that I used to have. In the old days, I was listening to what marketers were telling me. Uh, marketers tell us that for each application, we need a different product to clean the floor. We need the product to clean the windows, a different product to clean the bathroom, a different product. And in the end, I had a cabinet full of cleaning products. And today I've realized that's not true. All you need is really white vinegar and water. And we use also Castile soap in a pump at the sink. We use it to wash the dishes, wash the floor, wash the dog, <laughs> wash our hands. And, uh, and it's freeing to realize that you can do without all the things that you used to buy. Uh, you can do without all the things that the marketers are telling you are a necessity in your life. And then you can actually, uh, you not only have more time in your hands because you're not buying those things, but you don't have to recycle them, you don't have to store them. And then you have more money because then you can uh, use that money to, um, to uh, fund an activity or an experience as a family. And also you don't have guilt. It's funny, ever since I was going to interview you, I mean, my probably five or six times a day, I'm like, oh, no, I felt so guilty doing something. I thought, oh, B wouldn't do this. You know, here's more trash, more trash, more trash. And I think ever since Andy McDowell in Sex, Lies, and Videotape, where in the film where she's going on and on about all her garbage and all the trash. And I think many people in, in our society right now, probably all over the world, were very conflicted with this sense that we want to be doing better and yet, you know, for whatever reasons may be piled on top of everyone. I think um, we only feel guilt when we know we're not doing enough and, uh, and or when we feel that uh, we're being watched. But uh, just, uh, just keep in your mind that uh, those that have been able to reduce their waste are not judging you they're just waiting for you to to be open to this lifestyle and uh, just start from the little things you don't have to uh and please don't try to adopt the zero waste lifestyle at once because that just won't work it's just uh you have to find a system that works for you a balance that works for your lifestyle your regional restrictions uh and then uh w once you do take that road then you'll be amazed that uh you'll regret having not started earlier and do you feel like adopting the zero waste lifestyle that it shifted your personal identity how you see yourself and identify with who you are or do you feel like it just solidified who you've always been uh no i think i've i've changed definitely because i was um i mean to me the american dream when i came to the u.s meant uh having a large home uh, the cars. I mean, I was uh, drawn to all the things I had seen on TV. It was having a bigger diamond on my finger. And as a matter of fact, that diamond, I, uh, I, I, I let go of it. Uh, as I explained in the book, uh, I came to a point where I looked at my diamond and I became embarrassed by it because I felt that it did not represent me anymore. When I went to the farmer's market to uh, bargain for a flat of tomatoes so I could uh, 
to, so, so that I could do my canning for the year, the, the, the farmer looked at my hands and he said, wow, nice ring. And I felt so embarrassed and ashamed of my ring at that point. Here I was with that ring on my finger and I'm trying to bargain a few dollars with the, uh, with this uh, hardworking farmer. Who am I? <laughs> and, uh, and I've let, uh, I've actually sold that ring and an auction and I can't tell you, uh, how much freer I feel. A huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I no longer have to worry about the, the whereabouts of that ring. I no longer have to worry about leaving it at home or taking it with me on vacation. I mean, just alone, when you take that ring on vacation, then you have to worry about, do I leave it in the room or do I take it with me to the beach? If I leave it in the room, someone might see it. If I take it with me to the beach, then uh, then I might lose it in the sand. I might lose it in the water. I mean, it basically becomes a weight. And having let go of it, it's just freed me of all that weight. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's just a, a great feeling. And has it created also new relationships? I was reading your blog post about your experience at Burning Man and the community that you found there. Well, Burning Man is something on its own. I, uh, and I think uh, anyone that goes there uh, will have the same feelings that I had because that is the beauty of Burning Man. Everyone that goes there uh, comes back with that same uh, the same feeling of, um, of inclusion. I've never felt that before and everyone says the same thing about it. It's just uh, the only place on earth where no matter how old you are, uh, what you look like, uh, or what your uh, sexual preferences are, uh, uh, or what even what sex you are, uh, everyone is one. And uh, I've never felt that before. It's really an amazing uh, experience, and I highly recommend it. Now, as far as uh, yeah, my relationship with uh, the rest of the world, it's been amazing to see the community that's built around uh, the lifestyle that we've created. Today, thousands and thousands of people have adopted this lifestyle. Every week, I receive emails or I mean uh, messages from people all over the world, not only thanking me for uh, having inspired them to embark on a zero-waste lifestyle, but even open waste-free stores. And I'm getting, uh, I mean, those entrepreneurs are emailing me from uh, Australia, Quebec, Switzerland, Germany, I mean, all over the place. And uh, waste-free stores are popping up all over. Uh, and I think it's just uh, it's just amazing. The, all the to realize all the all, all the, the the different uh projects that have taken off uh from this lifestyle it's uh, truly become a movement when i started people said that my lifestyle was an utopia but today we've been able to prove that it's no longer an utopia it's uh, it's actually become a movement and are there any gray areas left for you are there areas that you look at that you feel like you might need to make shifts or are there areas where in an emergency you'd feel like okay I'm gonna do something that's not in alignment with the zero waste or where do you feel you are now well I mean we we really have I mean I think the the the, the question you're asking is um do I mean am I gonna dwell on the fact that uh, when I for example order a glass of water if I say even if because when we order a glass of water, we ask for no straws. And sometimes it comes with a straw. Do I dwell on it? Do I feel horrible? No, it's just part of life. I mean, uh, just, uh, you know, we're not so, we're not obsessed about waste. Uh, I think people tend to think that because we've been able to reduce it, 
uh, to a uh, you know half uh, basically a pint jar of waste per year uh, that we're obsessed with our waste but we're not because I mean I was at first when I was trying to find alternatives but again since 2010 it's just completely normal it's just uh, you know we just are happy with what we do and there is nothing really we want to change because it's just uh, because we've been able to reduce our waste uh, drastically and we're happy with the amount of waste that, uh, that we're generating today. And, and just as you said, the thousands of uh, comments you get that you've inspired people and you're starting a movement, are you feeling more optimistic about the nations and the, the world's relationship with garbage? I know you mentioned um, Edward Hume's book, Garbology, in your book. That's not a good picture of our relationship with trash. Do you feel like it's changing at all? Yes, it's definitely changing. As a matter of fact, I am in that book, Garbology, because uh, Ed uh, Humes wanted to give an example. He talks about something that's in a way uh, depressing. And of course, waste is unglamorous, too. And, uh, and he, you know, he gives uh, fantastic facts and statistics. Um, I uh, refer to his book all the time, so I have to give numbers on uh, waste. Uh, but he wanted to finish it on a positive note. And the positive note is the zero-waste lifestyle is possible. And the zero-waste lifestyle has become a movement today. Um, and uh, yes, I am uh, totally positive because I can see the world changing. I can see uh, the package-free stores opening. I can see... Uh, uh, the hundreds and the hundreds of blogs that have uh, emerged uh, from mine, I can see uh, that more and more people are being careful about their uh, their consumption. I'm seeing cities uh, adopting waste-free policies, and, and I think it's just uh, you know once I, I mean maybe it's because I'm in that field, but I, I am extremely positive. I definitely see the world turning. So there's hope. You're you're a great example of being able to balance your values and your goals and your commitment and your lifestyle. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, if I, today when I wake up and uh, I have a big smile on my face, that smile is not due to the fact that I only generate a jar of waste per year for my family of four. I wake up with a smile on my face because... This uh, lifestyle has been, again, an epiphany, and it's totally changed our life for the better. Uh, a life of uh, experience based on experiences, uh, a life based on being instead of having is, uh, I mean, I, I, can't, I almost can't put it into words how, uh, how wonderful it is and uh, what, what it's done for our family bonds, for uh, our friendships, for uh, even the, the zero-waste community. And I can see that this is actually the, the number one feedback I get from people. Uh, it's thanks so much for, uh, for allowing me to, uh, to discover the zero-waste lifestyle and discover a, a life uh, that is so much better than the one before. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great thanks so much for having you. me. It was a pleasure. Okay. 